You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. You know, sometimes I find myself getting so angry with the financial planning community. It feels like they want to progress. They want to be relevant in today's time, but they are stuck either with their heads in the sand we're stuck way back in another time period that is certainly not representative of the time we live in now. 
And I think that's what makes the fintech movement so exciting. There's all of these companies and entrepreneurs that are coming along and they're saying, wait a minute, there are groups of people that are not being served, that are not you know, participating in financial planning and getting the knowledge and the resources that they need to. And so we need to change that. And that makes me so super excited. But there's still a group of people very much overlooked, and that's the LGBTQ community. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, this is Millennial Money, and today we're talking the gap between the LGBTQ community and financial planning with the debt-free guys. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Game. It will expand your brain. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Okay, could somebody please tell me how in the world did we get to August? Because wasn't it just like January, February? And now all of a sudden we're in August. Time, I feel like I say this on a lot of the podcast episodes, but I, I don't know if you feel the same way. It's like these weeks just evaporate. And now kids are going back to school and I start teaching again at Cal State Northridge in a few weeks, and it just feels like I'm going to blink my eyes, and we're going to be back to December in the beginning of the year. So I promise I won't go on and on about this too much in podcast episodes coming up, but I mean, it just feels crazy to me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, when I was younger, time didn't go by that fast. It felt like you were in school forever, like was the school year ever going to end? And then you finally got to summer. But it just felt like this process. I mean, particularly in those dreaded junior high years. I don't know how you felt when you were in like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, but I could really do without those particular school years. Even just like thinking back upon those school years brings a tremendous amount of dread and fear to my brain. Uh, we recently went and saw the movie Eighth Grade. If you have not seen this movie, you absolutely have to go see this movie. It is so amazing. And I walked out of that movie and I could feel what it felt like to be in the eighth grade again. And it was not a very good feeling. I mean, in fact, that whole night, I sort of felt like I had to shake off this funk because... I just, I really hated the eighth grade. I, I mean, if you had a great eighth grade experience, like cheers to you, but I did not, I guess, I guess that that's the whole point of growing up. But anyway, enough about that. And on to today's episode, I have received a lot of questions from you, from listeners about financial planning for the LGBTQ community and the frustration around not being able to find resources and asking a lot of questions about, you know, how should you approach 
planning when you don't want to talk about that you have a spouse or that you have a partner. You don't want to share that with HR. Um, lots of different questions. And I waited a while to do an episode on this because I really wanted to talk to people who are so much more educated on that topic than I am that are part of that community and could really share insight into the lack of and, you know, what you should be thinking of when it comes to financial planning. And I think it sounds so much better coming from David and John, who are part of the Debt Free Guys. And they run this great website called DebtFreeGuys.com. And they're really trailblazers when it comes to talking about financial issues with this community and exposing some of the things that you know, even I wasn't aware of in our conversation. I mean, there were a few things we talked about that just sort of blew my mind. And, you know, I think that that that's really, really important. You know, their kind of mission is to help queer people live fabulously, not fabulously broke. And I love that. I think that that message works for anybody. But, you know, they talked about some of the unique aspects of finances and and being in this community and it just, it really opened my eyes up to, to thinking about things differently and also to frustration I have with the financial planning community. And I just, I don't understand, call it naive, whatever you want to call it. But as a certified financial planner myself, I just don't understand how it serves us to not serve all of the different communities, minorities, groups of people when we're talking about financial planning, when we're trying to give people financial resources. I mean, what good does that do if we're not talking to everybody? I just, I get so angry about this because I look at the big companies and I look at their unwillingness to change or they're very slow to change. Like, very, very, very slow. And, you know, even I go to meetings a lot of times, uh, financial planning meetings, and people will raise their hand and ask questions that I just think are stuck back in like the 60s and 70s. And I, I just don't understand why as a society, why as a profession, we cannot reach out and aim to serve everybody. So the beauty of that is that David and John have created these amazing resources. They have a podcast called Queer Money. And, you know, their goal is to connect the LGBT people with information and services they need so they and the queer community can do more and be more. And what a more amazing message, particularly in this day and this time in the United States, then to have that as your goal and to be reaching out and serving the community that you're part of in a really, really powerful way. So I know that you're going to enjoy this. Look, even if you are not a part of this community, you're going to hear some eye-opening things that I think are going to make you hopefully pause and think about people that are different from you in a different way. And I know that the millennial community is very inclusive and I love that. I think that is so amazing. And I get frustrated that people aren't inclusive, or at least that you can't open your brain up to think about somebody, they might be in a different situation, and to think about what their needs are. So on to David and John for a very powerful podcast interview. 
So David and John, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I think this is going to be such a lively discussion, and I've just really wanted to talk about this issue for quite some time. So I'm glad we're finally doing it. Thanks Absolutely. for having us. Thank we're you for having excited us. excited to talk, too. Yeah. So we're all part of Go Banking Rates Smart Money Squad, which is made up, I think, is it, is it 100 of us now? I have no idea, actually. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of people, though. It's right. a large amount of money experts, influencers, all sorts of different people who share articles uh, once a month. Uh, and what I love about it is it's first person. So I don't often get to write about things from my vantage point. So I, I think it's fun. I don't know what you guys think about writing the articles. No, I, I well, I love writing in general. But yeah, you're right. We don't often get to talk about our personal stories. Um, so I do love that that opportunity here with Go Banking Rate. It's been pretty great. Yeah. So the recent article that you wrote, I love it. Uh, you, you laid out some really interesting stats. In the article, you talked about the queer community has nearly $1 trillion in purchasing power in the U.S. alone, which is a lot, and spends nearly $100 billion on that on travel, which is interesting. Yeah. And then according to Honeyfy's recent survey of the LGBTQ couples, your top discretionary spending categories are dining out, which is, I think, no different than anybody, right. uh, entertainment and personal care. And what isn't increasing, though, is assets under management of financial advisors. And you also note that you're not saving or investing for the future. So I'd love to start off and chat about, you know, maybe why you think this is happening you know, this community has a huge amount of spending power, but is still overlooked by the traditional financial planning community. Why is this? Well, I, I think you hit it on the head there. Uh, the community is being overlooked. Uh, when you look at, uh, I, I guess I'll just ask the question, when was the last time you saw an LGBT couple in a retirement ad? Uh, uh, never. And- <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, honestly, I can think of an online ad that uh, I think it, it was Mass Mutual. It was either Mass Mutual Prudential was running uh, throughout the year. It wasn't just in June. And of course, that I, I, I was immediately attracted to that because there were a number of couples in there and included in that uh, was it was a gay couple. But in general, LGBT couples are left out of the financial planning process. Uh, we're just not advertised to. And when you looked at the, when you talk about dining out, entertainment, personal care, those are all things that our community is constantly seeing advertisements for, and we're included in them. And you know, I can just anecdotally now this is a number of years ago, but John and I used to work for the second largest brokerage firm in the country, and we were the heads of the LGBT group at that company, and we had financial advisors who would reach out to us say please, can you help us get something that we can use with our, our LGBT clients? Something that shows, I, I don't want to talk about retirement with a gay couple and there's a picture of the right. traditional white couple walking down the beach with their golden retriever. Is that we need something that we can actually talk to these people with. And we went back to marketing and marketing basically said no. <laughs> that they <laughs> wouldn't take on that risk. Um, and I think that's what it is. Is it, it is for much of the of financial services, it's just they're still steeped in this conservative, not wanting to take on that kind of risk. And I think what's crazy is, like, what risk is it? You know, I mean, that's the question I've always asked. Even if we're talking about minority groups, they're not represented, in, you know, in those ads as well. What is the actual risk? 
Yeah, I, well, I think over the last maybe 20, 30 years, we have start to, started to see more women being included in financial services advertising. Schwab does a great job with women. Uh, Fidelity does a great job and some other companies in trying to connect with them. Um, and you are starting to see some more Asian people in advertising, which is great, um, and some more African-American couples. And I've recently started to see some some mixed couples, which is great. I think that financial services in general is a conservative industry, still predominantly run by straight white men. I think it's, in, you know, for whether we like to admit it or not, the our country's relatively conservative, um, and there can be a lot of backlash uh, for companies who are trying, trying to be too inclusive too aggressively. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of the um, uh, financial services firms aren't willing to take on that risk for fear that their clients with the most AUM at their firms uh, will start to take their money out. Yeah. I mean, and that that makes complete sense, of, of course. So, you know, is, is this something, you know, when you're with your friends, is this something that's talked about often? I mean, do you talk about money? Are you, you have the same taboos of someone who's heterosexual who doesn't talk about money? Or is there more of a focus on like, hey, we're not being represented. We've got to figure this stuff out. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. 
You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Personally, our friends talk to us about money all the time. I think actually uh, sometimes when we go out with them, they always feel the need to tell us that they're doing something good with their money um, because they know that you know we talk about this all the time. So, so personally, um, we do. In general, I don't think the, our, our community talks about money. I don't think that we're necessarily at that place um, in our maturation as a community. Um, that, that money uh, is a top-line topic. I think we're with same-sex marriage passing in 2015 and our relationships being validated and the fact that um, HIV and AIDS isn't killing us in our 30s and 40s, that we are living to our 80s and 90s, I think we're now starting to have that conversation. David and I have talked about this a couple of times and we sort of feel like 
since we have a foot in the FinCon community and, we, and we're watching all sort of the general population talk about money and we have a foot in the LGBT community, um, we sort of feel like the LGBT community is maybe 10 to 15 years behind the general population in terms of what they're talking about, what they're concerned about. And I think it's sort of a whole high, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Because you know, if when you were more concerned about whether you're going to live until you're 30 or 40, you weren't necessarily thinking about, well, I need to save for retirement for when I'm 90, because that's just never going to happen. Right. Um, or when you know you're in a relationship uh, with somebody and you know you can't establish uh, a legal partnership with that person, and that your next of kin is going to get all your assets. You might not necessarily think about saving your money for your niece or nephew who hates LGBT people. So I think um, now that that uh, we're sort of being recognized and acknowledged as, as valid and, and, and equal relatively uh, to the rest of the community, I think we're starting to see that uh, maturation, that discussion starting to happen. Hopefully we're having a positive influence on that. And, you know, you brought up one question there. What, what's the risk to some of these other companies uh, that are in the financial services space? Well, the, the risk I think is need, they need to look at the risk on the, on the opposite side. Um, the four largest banks in the United States uh, have roughly $8.6 trillion in assets. And if we take a conservative measure, we say roughly 4% of those are in, in LGBT households, that's $344 billion. Oh, that's wow. the risk. Where is that money going to go when the companies that start to take the lead start to include us, start to market to us, start to uh, present to us in uh, an equal manner, that's their risk. That's where that money is going to go. It's going to flow to that. And that's, that's part of the reason why John and I are out there working with financial services firms, trying to encourage them, hey, you need to take advantage of this opportunity, not just for your own benefit, but you say that you believe in a, a strong LGBT community, well, financial being financially strong is an aspect of that. And so you have the opportunity to help build financial futures for a community that has been underserved for such a long time. Do you see in, in talking with these companies, I mean, obviously you don't have to name names, but do you see in these companies the willingness, I should say, maybe that's, I don't know if that's the right word, but the willingness to start making some changes? Yes, in general. There are definitely some pioneers uh, who, are, who are sort of blazing the trails. Um, there are definitely some companies who aren't interested in engaging in that at all. So, you know, we're, we're trying to invest as much time and effort as we can with the companies that are willing to take that risk to hopefully let the others know who aren't necessarily ready for that, let them sort of see the opportunities um, that they're missing. Relative to what we experienced, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, working for uh, financial services firms as a W-2, the conversation is a lot further than it was then. Right. So progress, maybe not as fast as we would like, but progress is starting to happen, hopefully. Um, and, And I think this brings up another interesting point. You know, I've been asked this many times as a CFP. I've heard this question asked many times in industry events. I'll full disclosure, it's usually from straight men is, you know, what makes planning for the LGBTQ community any different than financial planning would be for, you know, heterosexual straight couple? I love this question because we get it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Good. And and our, our answer is always the fundamentals of money 
don't change based on your sexual orientation or when you were born um, or the color of your skin, but the risks and concerns are completely different. And I think that's why you know you have a millennial money podcast. How, what makes money different for millennials than it does for Gen Xers or baby boomers? The fundamentals are still the same, but you're growing up in a different time and a place, and you have different risks and concerns. For our community, um, we can be denied housing, services, and employment in up to 30 states based on our LGBTQ status. So while we can get married in up to in all the, all 50 states across the country, if we put a picture of us with our spouse on our desk, we could get fired in up to 30 states. Uh, so that wow, increases, I did not know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And what's great or ironic, there's a there's a lot of financial advisors that we meet in those states who ask us this question, and they don't know that their state, in their state, LGBT people can be fired without recourse. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there are no words, really, you know, and you don't hear enough stories of that actually happening. We know of um, same-sex couples um, who live in these states who meet with financial planners, but they're not telling their financial planner that they have another half that they're responsible for or that they're merging their money with. So these financial planners um, who have a fiduciary responsibility to provide the best advice they can to their clients can't because they don't know the whole picture. But that's because the partners are afraid to disclose the relationship um, for fear that it gets out into the community and that one or both of them loses their job. Right, which of course then has a very big financial impact um, on on everything. Yeah, and it's hard to plan if you're two people and you know the planner's only planning for one person that's going to be a completely different suggestions and outcomes than you know if there are two people so i mean of course when you think of it that way that has a dramatic impact you know and i think as a heterosexual female you know i would never think that if i put a picture of my husband and i up on a, my desk somewhere that that i could have that kind of recourse you know so i can imagine you know, what that must feel like to be in that situation and having to make those tough choices. The interesting thing is it's not necessarily just about losing your job or uh, that you might be denied housing or human services. When you really look at it, the base of that is that these individuals who are living in those states, they still live with a sense of fear, right? So when we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if we're still concerned with fear at the bottom of, uh, of being able to make enough money to survive, being able to, uh, to have shelter, uh, to get the services that we need, we can't progress up that ladder to the point of where we're thinking about our future, where we're thinking about self-actualization, how do we improve ourselves. And it may mean for some of these people that they get stuck in a financial environment they don't think about, well, how could I part, be a partner to someone and then the two of us could buy a property together or go into business together or they can't, they, they struggle with these ideas and they unfortunately hear the stories of individuals in their states who this is happening to. You know, we heard a story of a, of a lesbian couple in, in rural Ohio that was turned down for a loan at a bank because they were a lesbian couple. And so they they obviously then, you know, their life all of a sudden becomes kind of caged in this mentality of I can't take these risks. And if you don't take risks, you don't get the rewards. And I think that's another reason why 
there are such a number of uh, of individuals in our community who haven't progressed to that point of being able to invest and think about long-term future. And that makes complete sense, you know. I mean, th- that y- you live in a state of fear about anything and, you know, you you have a tough time making smart choices. That's just, you know, kind of the way our brain works, the way our, our body works. So I, I can imagine if you're if you're living in that nonstop, you know, how that is influencing everything that's going on in your life. Even in those states where they are LGBT people are protected, such as Colorado and I believe California, that there is still sort of this these unconscious biases that can hold us back. And for those reasons, Many people are still afraid to come out because um, even though no one's going to sort of break the law to discriminate against them, um, there are just those unconscious bias that, biases that, that hold us back, such as the University of Surrey uh, did a study recently that showed that people who seem LGBT, they aren't necessarily LGBT, but if they seemed LGBT, they were less likely to get hired or promoted or getting a raise. And so if you have, I mean, you're, wow. you, know, you know this, <laughs> you have an entire career where, where you're not getting the same opportunities as your straight male counterparts, that you can lose hundreds of thousands up to millions of dollars over the course of your career that somebody else has easy access to simply because they're part of the boys club. Right. Yeah. And the, the boys club is seemingly everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's extremely frustrating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love you guys, but... <laughs> So you're you're obviously, you know, incredibly passionate about what you do and about education. You run debt-free guys. Walk me through a little bit, you know, you worked in financial services. Was this something that just evolved for you where you thought, you know, we have to come up with a platform where we can educate our community or, you know, how did you find kind of the the passion to create what you've created? I think it was a lot of it had to do with our our own aha moment when it came to money. A year and a half after John and I had been together, uh, we were living kind of the honeymoon puppy love lifestyle of just really enjoying our our lives and, and spending lots of time together. And of course, that equated to spending lots of money. And we were also, I think, in some ways living up to uh, a, a lifestyle persona that our community portrays. And so we went away to the mountains for a weekend to visit a friend and kind of fell in love with this small town that we were in, a ski town, beautiful little ski town, and had this dream idea of being able to buy land and build a house and to have a, have a vacation home. And so we left town with this fantasy in mind. And uh, we, as we dropped in elevation from the mountains down into Denver, we were basically locked in a car for an hour and a half and had a had a kind of a, a serious conversation about how maybe we couldn't afford to buy land and build a house. Maybe we couldn't afford to buy a house. Maybe we couldn't afford to buy a condo. Maybe we shouldn't be even going up there for vacations because we were financial messes. And the reality is, is at the time, even though we were in financial services and helping other people, it was when we got home that we confessed to each other that between the two of us, we had $51,000 in credit card debt. And, it, and is that something you hadn't, you hadn't discussed before? No. You know, it, and I think this is common for almost every single couple that it's, you don't typically start that, that love life conversation with, <laughs> hey, how much credit card debt do you have? Or how much student loan debt do you have? Or what's your credit score? Those are all things that... <laughs> it's not very sexy, right? No, not at all. <laughs> well, you right. could ask her, right? You could say, how big is your credit score? <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. It's all in the wordplay, right? Exactly. Right. 
but I, I think for us, it was at that moment when we realized that we were living a lifestyle way beyond our means and not truly living a life of what was important to us that we recognized that we're not the only ones. And when we went through the two and a half year process of paying off our debt and changing our lives and really focusing on what made us happy long term, that's when we said, we, you know, we, we did come out to financially to some of our friends. Uh, we told them, you know, we're making some financial changes. We've got a lot of debt. We want to get out of that. And we were surprised to hear and see how many in our own community were kind of in a similar situation. And that's when we said, that this is this is this is the whole reason we're here. This is why we're doing this. There's this is a reason why we're in financial services, why we got this background of information, why we went through this ourselves and why we got out of it was because it's it's an opportunity for us to help our community ju- in a different way than what typically most people how they want to help our community. Wow, yeah, that's really powerful. And I, I love that you even shared that with your group of friends. I mean, that's definitely a very bold and brave move. And I think you know, it's hard enough to share that with your your spouse or your significant other. And, you know, I always joke with people that, you know, we need to sit around the table more with our friends and right. not just share the the good glossy stuff, but the stuff that, you know, is is not so good. Because I think in doing that, I would imagine that most of your friends felt like they could relate to you in a way that maybe they haven't been able to before. Like you became human. I think we opened up an opportunity for a discussion, especially amongst our friends, because our our concern was paying off for $51,000 worth of credit card debt. And when we expressed our concern and our strategy or plan for paying that off, we found other friends who, while they didn't necessarily have debt to pay off, uh, they had other financial goals that would be more easily met if they dialed back their spending or if they had a better saving strategy or started using a budget, whether it was building a house or getting married. Um, there were a number number of opportunities for them to all cut back. And so um, we found ourselves, uh, uh, there were definitely some friends who didn't relate and kind of evolved away from a relationship with us. But um, we had a lot of people who gave us support and kind of joined in the bandwagon. So I know there's probably a listener right now that is trying to like, you know, is yelling at me through uh, this podcast episode to ask you guys, okay, how did you get rid of the $51,000 in debt? (laughs) I always get questions when I don't ask those questions. People are like, why didn't you ask them? (laughs) So I think that it really kind of for us, it was, we took some time and initially, um, John and I actually were accustomed to going out regularly on the weekends for happy hour, for going out for dinners, uh, going clubbing. That was kind of our lifestyle that contributed. That was a portion of our lifestyle that contributed. And, and we took a break from that and we decided to take some time to talk to each other about what we really wanted in life. And I think that was the biggest first step for us was was just to be quiet for a second and listen to the true desires inside of us for what, what our lives, what we wanted our lives to be about. But then we put together a plan. Uh, we, of course, uh, we cut back on going out. You know, we're social beings and we love being around our friends. So we didn't do that 100%. We knew that if, if we didn't have some fun, we wouldn't keep up with it. Um, I think that was one of the big things is that helped cut our spending. The second step is is John and I became meticulous about how we shop for groceries. Uh, and because we had been so accustomed to spending hundreds of dollars a week on dining out and hundreds of dollars a week on groceries. And it, most of that was financed through credit cards. And so we learned how to live uh, very 
moderately when it came to what we ate when we were dining out and and we became really good at at batching our meals and taking food to work uh, instead of going out to lunch all the time or out for breakfast. One of the other things is at at one point when because we had fifty one thousand dollars in credit card debt, we were paying roughly about ten thousand dollars a year in interest. I think that was one of the big shocks for us yeah. was when we said to ourselves, we went back and looked at our credit card statements for that year and we said, where's all this money going? And when we saw that, we're like, $10,000, that's like that's like three really nice vacations. <laughs> yes. It's a down payment on a on a condo. It, you know, it, we just started to realize how we were giving away our hard-earned money for nothing for the for the privilege of borrowing fifty one thousand dollars on a regular basis. Um so we we cut that and then How long did that process take you? That took about a total of about two and a half years. Okay. So not that bad. You know, right. totally doable. And I think what's great about what you're sharing is, you know, I love when people share stories like this that aren't about well, I went out and I had to get five extra jobs or I had to get, you know, 50% raise. You know, you're sharing very actionable tips that are relatively easy. You just have to put your kind of mind power behind it, your willpower, your desire behind it. And you connected it to, you know, a goal. You connected it to the vision you want for your life, which I think is really powerful. I will say we we did make some other modifications. Um, I was fortunate to be working at a job where I could work overtime. So I did typically work anywhere from about four to 10 hours a week of overtime, um, which really helped me bring in some extra money and and help pay off the debt. But you're right. We didn't go on a uh, clean out the house and sell everything we have <laughs> or get, uh, you know, a drive, drive uh, pizza delivery seven nights a week. So... We that would be dangerous for me. I would eat all the pizzas. Very right? bad. <laughs> and then stop and pick up ice cream on the way home. Yes. Oh my gosh. We are simpatico here. Yes. But I think what you said there is is key. We, we, you know, we figured out what was most important to us um, and realized that we weren't spending according to our values. Um, and when we figured out what our values were, then we could use that as motivation to get us to where we wanted to be. And that helped us. Um, you know, when we were having those tough moments on a Friday night when our friends were all going out clubbing and we were like, we probably shouldn't, we can't afford it. We would think, you know, do we want to reach our goal or do we want to go, go out clubbing? A, a question we like to ask ourselves all the time is, do we want to go down the street here in Denver, Colorado and have a margarita at the local Mexican uh, or taco bar? Or would we rather wait a little bit longer, save the money and have that margarita on the beach in Puerto Vallarta? And it's always... Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I have a feeling which one's going to win there. <laughs> the other thing about what we did, and I think this is the case for the vast majority of people who are in debt, uh, especially when it's consumer debt, um, is it's not about how much money we make. It's about how much money we spend. And more often than not, we're spending more than we make uh, simply because we we have a desire, a want, or uh, we um, feel the, are, feel compelled to live up to someone else's expectations, and so the majority of us don't have to get that extra job. We don't have to to. It's just this. It's making some small changes in the way you live your life, and you will watch that debt melt away. That's such great advice. I love it. Yeah, totally echo that. And you guys are also podcast hosts. You host podcasts called Queer Money and. I would imagine, just like myself, you get asked a lot of questions about finances for your community. 
Are there any kind of common questions that come up um, that come to mind that you can demystify? Yes. <laughs> yes, period. <laughs> now listen to our show. No, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give it away. Um, no, the, a very common question that we get from um, our community, which tends to skew more towards gay men, um, is why is it so expensive to be gay? And our answer is always, it's it's not ex- more expensive to be gay. Um, it's just That's just a perception that's been put out there by the media, and we've tacked onto it. Um, and so just for a little bit of context around that, many of us who are alive today came from a time and a place when it wasn't okay to be gay. So we kind of went through our teen years, our prepubescent years, not necessarily having um, similar or corresponding relationships that our straight peers had. Uh, so many of us didn't have our first boyfriends or partners, I should say, um, until we were in our 20s and 30s. And so many of us are making up for lost time because we didn't have those relationships. We didn't mature at the same rate at the same age. But then I think also because we sort of, many of us suffered from being bullied or being marginalized, when we finally find our community of other LGBT people, then we strive for whatever we can do to make sure that we fit in. And so if that means overspending religiously uh, to have the right clothing, to have the right car, to have the right house, all that stuff, then that's what we end up doing. And it doesn't help that uh, sort of the media puts out there that everyone is this white gay couple, upwardly mobile, earning millions of dollars living in the middle of the heart of L.A., you know, we're not all Mitch and Cam, um, and that's okay. <laughs> but we, we want to just... be, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? But that's okay if, if we're not, and we need to, you know, we can still have a great quality of life if we spend according to, one, our values, and uh, according to our income or earning. Um, and so that's part of what our, it's a very common question that we get from, it's just a mental shift that we're trying to get our community to adapt to. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think that's fantastic. So you know, kind of last question here. If there's somebody listening to this podcast, uh, you know, part of the LGBTQ community and, you know, they're feeling lost about their finances or maybe even just feeling lost in general, you know, other than debt free guys and, and your, your podcast, Queer Money, you know, what are some of the other resources or what are some of the other, uh, pieces of advice that you would give someone, you know, after, after going through what you have and learning all these really impactful financial lessons? Well, I I will say um, up until recently, probably the last six months to a year, there really has been a dearth uh, in our community when it comes to personal finance bloggers, authors, uh, and individuals who are out there trying to help our community. So there there aren't a lot of resources. There are some coming online right now, which we're really excited about. We do have a Facebook group called Queer Money, and uh, it's a private group partly because people do express some some feelings in there or some uh, they express some of their their concerns and actually talk numbers. But the nice thing is is that there are a couple of other individuals in there who are financial advisors. There are a couple of other in, individuals in there who do run uh, LGBT blogs, and they are, as a community, we're starting to talk more about money. Um, I will highlight David Ray of, of financialplannerla.com. He's he has uh, he's got a a great style of writing. Um, he's very funny, uh, oftentimes very catty, but uh, I think he also conveys a, a good message of making sure that you're on track financially. And then there's a podcast that we've recently started listening to called The Out Entrepreneur, uh, and uh, 
I think his name is Rhodes. Um, his goal is to encourage other individuals in our community to, to be aspirational beyond the nine to five to start taking those risks. And we know that there's some there's some financial aspects to that. So we are appreciating that podcast right now. That's fantastic. Well, David and John, this has been such a great podcast. I feel like we could talk for for a lot longer. And I just I really appreciate you you sharing this information. I know that, you know, the listeners, it's definitely a topic that, you know, I've wanted to talk about for a long time, but I want to talk about it in a real kind of smart, educated way. So I just can't thank you enough and tell the listeners other than the Facebook group where they can go to find you. Before I do that, I think she just called us smart. <laughs> I did call you smart. I love it. <laughs> so other than uh debtfreeguys.com and the Queer Money Facebook group. We are pretty much debt-free guys on every social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, And then you can always find uh, the Queer Money podcast at queer.money. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us back on Friday for a brand new Millennial Money podcast episode. And of course, as always, all the Millennial Money episodes are free. They're resources for you that I provide so that you can learn this important information, hear different opinions, learn all the different financial tips and tricks that you need to know. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, and head on over to the link in any podcast player that you're listening to this episode in and leave us a review.